Shabbos, Perk Chav Gimel, Mishnah Hay, 23.5, the last of the Perk, and we had finished talking about in the previous Mishnah about considerations for a mace, a person who's died, so we'll discuss more about that here in this Mishnah. And to understand the Mishnah, the main focal point here is the issue of Muktza and the fact that the corpse is considered to be Muktza in as much as it has no Shabbos. Um, and that being the case, Muktza items, one cannot move the corpse on Shabbos. Now, just to make sure you understand the Lachas of Muktza properly, touching Muktza is not forbidden, unless it will necessarily make it you know, roll away or something. But to simply touch Muktza is not an issue, not a problem. It's the moving of Muktza that's a problem. And therefore, as we take care of the mace, we're allowed to, the corpse, we're allowed to uh, take care of its needs. We just have to be careful not to move it. Therefore, the Mishnah says, Osin kol You can do and take care of all the various needs of someone who has died. Um, that kol, all the needs, are coming to add, besides what will say place in the Mishnah, um, other things like, for example, they were accustomed, see, on a, on a person dies on a Shabbos, so then they can't be buried till the next day. So we need to protect the body from a decomposition as well as um, disgrace. So one of the things that they did is they would um, block up the orifices of the body so that air shouldn't get in, etc. So that would be allowed to be done on Shabbos. That's the kol. And also, sachin umadichin also. Um, you can anoint with oil or rinse with cool water the body. Again, the idea here is you're keeping the body cool in various ways, and that way that will retard the decomposition of the body, or or in case of the anointing, uh, if it could start to smell, etc. Ubalvadshlo yazizu bo aver. Provided that when one does anoint or wash the body, he doesn't um, like pick up an arm or move a leg or something like that. Shomtin eshakar mitachtav. Similarly, you're allowed to remove the mattress from beneath the corpse. Umatilan oso. Um, and you can also um, you can remove what's keeping the body warm, meaning the, the bedding, um, and place the body directly onto the floor so that it could stay cool. The word yamtin actually um, either means one of two things. Either it means so it'll uh, like a weight, meaning it will last, meaning retarding decomposition. Um, it could be that it's it's related to the word metuna with an olive at the end. That's an Aramaic word. Um, that's referring to like dampness, meaning that you cool off the body with a damp floor. Again, keeping it cool. So either hamtana, waiting, or mituna, moistening. Either way, the point is we're cooling off the body, keeping it cool to retard decomposition. Importantly, um, you're allowed to move the mattress beneath the corpse, even though the corpse, of course, is going to move then because that would be tiltal manatsad, indirect movement, which is allowed. Um, but it's important that that mattress is not a, a basis, not a basis for muktza, meaning if the person had died before Shabbos or his, the body was placed onto the mattress before Shabbos, so then just as the corpse itself is muktzah, the mattress beneath it is all, would be muktzah as well and couldn't be moved. So the case here is, let's say, where the person um, died on Shabbos. So then going into Shabbos, the mattress is not a busis, so when the person dies, it remains not a busis, and therefore the mattress could be moved. Okay. Um, also, koshnes alechi, one can bind up the jawbone. The idea here is if... Um, the jaw is starting to sag. One could take like a bandana or something and, and secure it on the head so that it doesn't fall further. The concern being that having this like gaping open mouth would be a disgrace to the deceased. Lo shiyale, 
we're not allowed to bind the jaw so that the mouth recloses. That would be disallowed. I'm lifting it up because that's the muktz issue. Elish lo Yosef, the issue is simply that you can prevent the jaw from opening further, and therefore the mouth being that much more agape. V'chein, and similarly, now we're going to go for a moment away from taking care of corpses, but on the same principle of, you know, securing the jaw so it doesn't open further but not raising it, similarly, Koresh Anishbra, if one has a, a ceiling joist in his house, which is has broken, is cracked, and the concern is now that the supporting beams are break, or supporting beam has broken, we're concerned that the, as the as the if the joist falls, then the whole ceiling could cave on in. So therefore, we're going to um, prevent that from happening. You can take an object like a, a safsal as a bench, or a rucha samita like the side of a bed, and stand it up so that you now essentially are effectively um, propping up the ceiling so it won't fall again. Now, when I say propping up the ceiling, I want to make sure that's clear what we're doing here. Um, first of all, as the Mishnah says, lo shetale, certainly you can't actually make the um, joist go back up again, because that's the mukta issue. For starters, at least mukta. Elish lo tosif, you just are putting this um, this piece of wood, whatever it is, it, it's, can't be a, it must be an item that's not mukta, like a bench, um, but you're putting there so that the the joist shouldn't sag further, just preventing from sagging further. Now, if you'd actually be um, jamming the bench snugly into the joist, so you'd have a few problems. First of all, if it actually is, is now fixed in place, you could have a problem of bone altogether of construction. Um, but even if if not, um, you still have the. If you put it in a way that you can't pull it back out again, you'd at least have a rabbinic problem of bitoklimehechano. If you recall back to the third parak, uh, Mishnah Gimel, I believe, we had talked about how you can't put a like a plate beneath a dripping lamp to catch the the drips because that would be called bitoklimehechano. You've made a usable plate which wasn't mukta to now into essentially so much you can't move because of the mukta on it. And that we said is like a isser all to itself, analogous to we said either either bona also like you're like cementing it down to the floor where it can't be moved, um, or a sosa you're destroying it, whatever the case, whatever the, the rationale is, there's a separate rule that one can't take a useful non muksa object and essentially make it unmovable, bitoklimehechano. So if that would be happening here, if you would be taking the bench and propping it in such a way that you can't um, move it anymore without the ceiling falling down again or falling further. Um, so what we're talking about here is you're putting it um, beneath the cracked beam, but you're putting it in a way that it's a little um, loose. Um, so the point, here, again, is that being that it's currently loose, when you put it in, if there be any further falling, that that bench or the side of the bed would support the joist from falling down, and your roof would stay preventing from caving in. Okay, now, back to taking care of a deceased person on Shabbos. You can't, the word actually you would think would be ma'atzmen, like otzemenai means like to, to close one's eyes. So it's the same, the word, the letters have been switched from uh, the Tani of the Mem switched around, but it's the same idea. You can't um, close the eyes of a person who's passed away. That is the Jewish custom. We don't leave the eyes open. And that's certainly certainly true. Um, we saw that Yosef closed Yaakov's eyes, etc. But on Shabbos, we don't do that. First and foremost, as we just said, there's the muktz issue, and the eyelids are also a limb, and therefore they're muktz, they can't be moved. Um, but as we'll see in a moment, um, we're also concerned about actually expediting the death of the person, and that also be even a, a worse problem, and then muktz certainly, as the mission will say. 
You can't even close a person who is in the throes of death, even on a weekday, you can't close their eyes, um, because, again, that, that could... It's like he's almost dead, but not quite dead. And the rule is that someone who's a gosess, whose um, life is flickering out of him, but he's still alive. So he's still alive, 100% alive. And you can't curtail his life even by an instant. So by closing the eyes, that could, um, you know, let out the last bit of energy he has or use up his energy, and that would be bringing the death forward, which would be tantamount, as the mission will say, it's tantamount to actually um, killing him. God forbid. And therefore the mission says, v'hama'ametz, one who does close the eyes of a person as he's dying. Um, the person who closed the eyes of the mace is as if he is killing him. He's, he's spilling blood um, because, you know, you, like I said before, you're, you're expediting the death to be that much sooner. Um, just as an aside before I end the, end the parak here, this is certainly halach lamaisa. Everything you said in the Mishnah is halach lamaisa. Um, I remember in my rabbinic finishing school, Yitzhak Berkowitz um, warned us when you're taking care of someone who is um, on their deathbed, you have to be careful even about asking them to say vidui, because again, they may be physically, in the mission, if someone's physically using his last piece of energy to keep his eyes open, perhaps, um, but certainly if a person loses hope, then even that emotional deflation could expedite the, the bring on of death, and the concern is that if you would say a person essentially conveying the message that their time is now up, and that's what they should say, if you do what they still have the chance, that could make them lose all hope and then expedite the death, which in itself would be a problem. So we'd be very sensitive um, at end life issues to make sure that one doesn't uh, necessarily bring forth the time of death, because um, that would be, like I said before, and the mission says, tantamount to actually killing the person, God forbid.